Hey guys, I got a surprise for you. This month, we got a sponsor. Really? <gasps> That's right. This episode is sponsored by the bookworms over at Caffeine and Legends. With Caffeine and Legends, you will receive a new fantasy book along with your choice of coffee or tea every month. February's theme is Beasts and Blades. Click the link in the description to sign up today. Use the code FBOM10 to get 10% off your first order. That is F-B-O-M-10. Check out their website, caffeineandlegends.com, to get involved in a fun, interactive community of book lovers. Book of the Month Club, and this month we're doing horror again. Everyone, we're a club? We just got promoted to club. Damn, dude, dog. Well, you can let me do this opening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please continue. <clears throat> it's my favorite subject to do since I uh, obviously. So my name is Rachel, and I am joined by Peter. Hello, Dan. Hi, it's me, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Katie. That's me. And Nick. Howdy, howdy. Uh, so what do we want to do for this morning, uh, this beginning spiel? Well, Wait. I mean, now that we're a club, I guess we have to develop bylaws. I think oh, we yeah. need to we assign need, like, a treasurer and secretary. We're not a condo board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the treasurer in our lo- in the uh, Human Factors Club, or Human Factors like Society. Oh, oh man. That's a good start. Yeah, that sounds creepy. The Human right. Factors Society. I mean, Human Factors is my major. Uh, major. <laughs> I am aware of this. I'm just saying making it a society makes it sound creepy. Yeah. When you say society, it sounds like you guys like you auger with bones or something. Right? Yeah, like after midnight under the full moon. You know, it might not be actually a society. I've, I'm having a brain fart right now. <laughs> is it society now? It, it might be society now. It, now that I said it, it's a society. Really what's happened <laughs> is that it was a secret society and she just leaked it and now she's trying oh. to cover her tracks. That's... Yep. Yeah, they're not <laughs> all we're, your bones tonight. If yeah. we were really serious, we'd be in order. Mm, the order of the fantasy book of the month. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we need some good Latin for that. Teachers <laughs> paribus. All the best orders are... Are somehow just bi-monthly. Ordo Fantasia. Fantasia. We are the order of the broken cross of the month. (laughs) (laughs) Of the fortnightly uh, encounter. Order of the blood lily of the month. (laughs) Order of the what? Order of the wine of the month club. <laughs> Wouldn't that Count be better out. than a wine of the month club? The order of my the mom is part of that order. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so so I just realized. So we need different inter- introductions, right? Because as somebody observed online, we all have. I, I think it was one of our listeners who just identifies us differently, right? I'm I'm the other guy. Yes, you <laughs> are. I am one with child. Oh, that's right. You're the one with the child. I'm the other guy. There's the old I'm, one. That's Dan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Nick, you were just identified as Nick. Yeah, you're Nick, which is super unfair. 
<laughs> I think this listener knew Nick. So who, who was this? Who said this? Call them out. Discord people. Yeah. The person that actually interacts with us on Discord. Oh, that that's um Oh now I'm having a brain fart. No. Oh. No. Oh. no. No. That's just embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm apparently I'm university lady. Apparently. <laughs> oh yeah, there we are. That is my favorite i need to stop talking about that i'm in college i need to stop doing that it's not an achievement maybe maybe i'll be a university lady oh my gosh you guys i have so much homework 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 that's i'm pretty sure that's liam our favorite listener that's not liam i'm pretty sure it is no shit yeah no well if it is we i'm sure we'll learn about it in the future once this comes out yeah yep i have i have the email right here it's liam it's our favorite uh, listener. Well, then. God, Liam, you're also in university. <laughs> I really like being the other guy. Thanks, Liam. I'm good with mine. Yeah, uh, we, would be. We, just, we just totally uh, called Liam out. We're sorry. <laughs> well, he's been lurking in the Discord, apparently. And we weren't. Put it this way. The other guy was. is not sorry. Uh, yeah. So I guess we also we don't really have distinguishing voices. <laughs> I can try harder. We could all get accents oh, for no. the show. I suppose. <laughs> well, Katie doesn't need to change her accent. That's right. <gasps> Hi, Liam. <laughs> and then she stabbed you. <laughs> you traveled to uh, a rural part of South Carolina. I'm sorry. Yeah, and she stabbed you with a dagger. she doesn't like my jokes i can see the seething in her eyes right now you're on uh (laughs) you're on uh video chat you can see it in his mind's eye yeah his mind's eye can see her eyes and the seething therein okay you know what you leave me alone. I'm just going to take my dagger and go on my wagon and leave, okay? Uh, yes. Oh, hey, books. How about those things? What's this yeah. episode about? Uh, so we've done horror. So this is our first time revisiting a theme, right? And I think this is going to be the probably the one theme that we will constantly revisit every year. I will say we should change it to be less scary because I hate scary. Didn't you choose this? No, I didn't choose this. Oh, I, think, I think it, it was different. You know? Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, it's it's uh, it's October. It's 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 scary times. I right. said, I said next time we should do like witches or something like that. I mean, horror can uh, you know it's expansive. It, you know, it does. It's not necessarily just like all scary. You could do supernatural fantasy. I think would also fit the horror time. Usually, they have you know vampires. Yeah, we could change. Supernatural fantasy is usually ghosts, I think. We we could change the terminology to spooky. Thank you. You want to do spooky? (laughs) Yeah. All right, we are doing it right now. We're hereby changing this month's theme to spooky. This is just like put it in the schedule and was like, nope. Wait a minute, this one right now that we're recording (laughs) currently. It's nothing. It's about the book we've read or anything. It's just a fit. Whoops. Yeah, we re. Um, yeah, I'm just spooky now. Uh, yes, yeah, because I am a ba- uh, university lady is uh, a baby. <laughs> a university baby. 
We're not doing that. Let's not do that. So did you read something that actually was scary to you, Rachel? Um, It was scary because I was in the mind of somebody who was not really acted human and was like, it was there was murders of babies, which I was very uncomfortable with. Ooh. Oh, I had that, too. Seemingly appropriate. OK, <laughs> I had a visceral reaction to, uh, for about uh, a dude putting human human children into the brass bowl. Oh, what the fuck did you? OK, you know, Rachel, you're starting this off now, I guess. <clears throat> well, let's, yeah. I, th- I thought we we're having a middle metal discussion before we started. We, we were, but now we're talking about your book. So. Yeah, now I'm just entirely interested in what the fuck you read. <laughs> yeah, tell us about it, Rachel. What did um, you read? By whom? I, and tell us about these babies. <laughs> they were well, they were more like eight year olds, but <laughs> children. Not better. better. Not better. Yeah. Um, I read The Library at Mount Char by uh, Scott Hawkins. It's basically uh, a, about a maybe god taking 12 children from America and just making in them into like mini gods. Eh. So you said maybe god? Well, it's never explicitly said what he is. He just like an omnipotent thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody was made into a son at one point. And it and it reshaped. Oh, that's better. Children, mm, into yes, children of, into some sort of weird deities or demigods or something. Yeah, like um, each of the twelve children, they it's they were all taken, adopted into this library, and they were taught the old ways of what he was taught. And he had twelve sections in the library where they each had to like learn everything in that section. Like one section was languages, another section was war, one was medicine. Um, Another was like death or something like that. Each one became the demigod of that thing. You would think, and then things got weird. <laughs> oh, uh. we don't really. We only get to know like three of the children who are like thirty in the book. But um, and it was I was very disappointed because I wanted to know more about the other kids and like what they could do. They kind of just like die at one point. Huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it, it was. And there was a, I'm, I'm going to spoil this, but this is on page seven, so I don't feel bad. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, like, w- the main character goes, lives with, like, deer at one point, because her, um, her uh, section was languages, so she was learning the languages of an- animals and stuff like that. As you do. And, uh, like, they get, like, brutally murdered, and I was like, I don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> you like see this in the eyes of an eight-year-old and like i don't like this so at first i was like oh how cute she's a disney princess and then it was like bambi right no it's like it's like the opening to bambi over and over and over again yeah and you get to see things from her head and it's like she's not human anymore kind of she's not thinking like a human like things you can see that and because it's like it's like empathy is not really there and stuff like that. yeah so how, how how was it as a read um it's a good three-star read for me mainly because i was just like very visceral reaction to an eight-year-old being put into the brass bowl and then being brought back to life apparently this happened like 13 times but because time is weird god and time travel exists <laughs> yeah wow. um yeah, so it was 
it was actually it made me emotional at the end and stuff like that. And there was a character that I loved because he was actually human. And one of his one of his lines was, was like, "So you're a Buddhist?" And he's like, "No, I'm an asshole, but I'm trying." <laughs> that is a pretty good line. Yeah. So uh, yeah, my most my main play is like not knowing the other like eight of the children that were adopted. They were kind of just like put aside at one point, hmm. which annoyed me. I was like. You have these 12 children. Tell me what the hell is going on with these like eight. I mean, you didn't you didn't want the story to focus on them as much as it focused on the the main three. Right. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to learn like more about their like past because it wasn't like explained and I couldn't remember. They were just kind of like, oh, that person. What did they do again? Who are they? They just kind of appeared at some point. So you just forget who they are. And I was like. I don't like forgetting who characters are. Yeah, you know sure. I mean? Yeah, so it was a solid three-star book. It was probably just not for me because um, it was like horror-esque with like, again, with like brutal murder, um, murder of eight-year-old children and Bambi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wait, that sounds so pretty it, hard. Did it really? So it killed the children and... Uh, but I thought, or, or did the children transform, or is it kind of like both? Like, um, like the uh, there was a child that was so good at medicine they can bring back people to bring people back to life, kind of. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was killed after being put in the brass bowl, uh, and they were kind of just like sculpted into mini gods, kind of. Ah, okay. So it was really a sacrifice, and then kind of yeah. like. The demigods were made with uh, the raw materials of these murdered children. Yeah, um, like each of them, like were brutally like brutalized and abused by the the god. Like, uh, they, like one person's eyes got stabbed out because <laughs> he did something wrong. <sighs> so, all right, that sounds grotesque. Yeah, it wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah, but it. I could praise for the, like it's good writing, and there's one human character you're just like, I like you. <laughs> Is that just because of comparison? There's no one else to like. He was just generally funny dude, and there was also like okay. lions that he had friends with. He has friends with lions, so yeah. I would be friends with lions if I could. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you like weird stuff, you might be into this, but uh, check definitely check into trigger warnings before if you need trigger warnings before uh, reading sure. this book. <laughs> um, I don't don't think I uh, see anything else. Uh, apparently, this got compared to like Middle Game by Sean McGuire. I haven't read that, so I can't make the proper comparison. But um, that's a common recommendation i've heard all right <laughs> sorry it was just like a short description of brutal horror no no that's i think that's a reasonable like that's fully that's i think it's informative enough for our audience right it's like well here's this thing it's really kind of like this woof <laughs> yeah but it takes well i guess the point of this is to taint my people's opinion by my negative aspect by my ne- negative experience reading this book oh the one thing i would say i was too scared to read listen to the audiobook so i just got it on ebook and sped through it because i was scared oh wow oh. <laughs> yeah we, let's not do horror again 
I don't want to scare Rachel. From here on out, it's spooky. I don't want to scare our university baby. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Does anyone else want to go? I do. I do, actually. I want to get mine really off quick. my plate. But yeah, I, love the concept, I love the concept of it's the beginning of Bambi over and over again. That, was, <laughs> that stuck through my head this whole time. Well, it's not like a time loop. So it's the, the No, I know, like, but just the brutal nature of that concept yeah i was like i don't want to read about the brutal murder <laughs> like it's the first five minutes of up on loop <laughs> oh, oh my god yeah oh up those first 10 minutes were a triumph oh man a sad triumph so what was the book again rachel library at mount char by scott hawkins all right and let us never speak of this again <laughs> all right if you don't mind i'm gonna take it because i want to i want to just get this buckle in boys and girls this wad of bile out of my throat um this is the the my least favorite book that i've read for this podcast and i would have stopped reading about a, a three or four times if i hadn't chosen it for this for this theme um so i guess did we establish that i can blame the theme on dan it's dan's fault dan this is your fault i'm mad at you dan is that right Dance, dance. Yeah, sure. I guess. <laughs> yes. Good to take that, the old one. Um, <laughs> I think I'm definitely also partially to blame. Take that, Nick. The Nick one. I just don't want Dan to get all the arrows here. It's not really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, none of this is real anger. I say yes. that for, you know, family. Um, <laughs> oh and this book, this book. So this, I read A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness, unless it was Rebecca Harkness. It's Wait. Deborah. Oh, good, because I suddenly thought, did I remember it wrong? Um, and I am perfectly, I normally would prefer to say nice things and happy things about books that I love so that other people can read and love those books. But this book is a uh, uh, New York Times bestseller, number one on the list, and is I, I'm sure it's just doing fine. So uh, I will tear this book apart because no one else should read it ever again. I'm glad and, it is. I'm, glad and I'm it not is. avoiding spoilers because anything I can do to stop people from reading this book. <laughs> oh my God. You this is serious. I didn't, I'm like, Oh, you stopped me from picking it up from the library. Cause I've been seeing it forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, avert your gaze. So this is just uh, a PSA. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's like, uh, it's like if you took Twilight and then Fifty Shades of Grey, which of course we all know grew out of a Twilight fanfic, and then mixed them back together, but then pulled out the kink, um, and then and then added in. Uh, feeble attempts to make the female lead uh, uh, interesting or useful or have agency over her own life. Um, yeah, it's just like they, they, they gave, they gave the, the main character, Diana, um, 
they said like, okay, she's a witch with, with witchy powers and has magic, except she doesn't, she promised she doesn't use it because she doesn't want to be a part of that life. So she has powers, but no, she doesn't. Um, and then she's a cool PhD historian, which is almost cool, except it's really boring. And also the first two chapters are like 90% exposition. It's like the, my favorite part of any yeah, story. Oh, oh, that's good. That's good. I like, I like it when it's shared competently. Um, I'm okay with it. If it's like epic fantasy when, when I'm in like a new world, but I think this is set in like our world. This is, this is a modern day supernatural. Uh, so you could call it urban fantasy if you want. Um, but yeah, she's a witch and she's doing research in Oxford and, um, uh, finds some kind of magic book, uh, that, that no one has seen, uh, in centuries because some spell has kept it hidden, but she finds it, but she doesn't want anything to do with magic. So she, sends it away so why doesn't she care about magic is there like she's all um they put some trauma in her past her parents are both witches except they do some kind of stupid gender thing so i guess the guy witches are called wizards um and they both died when she was seven doing I, they were off on some kind of magic quest or something so i think she just like no and the, no the magic narrative me. showed up and stabbed him in the face <laughs> yeah basically we're like listen um, main characters can't parents sorry yeah that's kind of true um so yeah anyway so uh this this discovery of this ancient magic book uh draws a lot of attention from the supernatural populace, which apparently breaks up into three types, um, vampires, witches, and uh, demons, who are like humans, but have some kind of like manic, depressive, hyper-focus that makes them great artists in certain arenas or something like that. Um, that's never super clear either. Um and because she's, you know, avoided magic, she's not allied with the witches. And so she has like all these three groups being like expressing interest in her and it's not necessarily safe. And, um, oh, so bad. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so very quickly she attracts, uh, the close attention of Matthew, uh, who is an ancient vampire. He's like 1500 we learn. Um, and this is where the like 50 shades element comes in because he has like, they quickly fall in love. Um, and he has effectively infinite financial resources. So he just like flies her to France and then, you know, flies them to America at some point and has, you know, anything, anything that they want, you know, he has a castle, um and another castle or something and private airplanes and just it's all like okay well it, clearly all the money just have all the money so um, vampire yeah. xanatos 
Yeah, kind of vampire Xanatos, but also kind of vampire. What's his name in the book? Christian Gray. Christian yeah. Gray. Yeah, kind of vampire Christian Gray. Again, minus the kink, but plus or including like all of the really infuriating, like I'm in charge and you have to do what I say. Because this book, this is the part that pissed me off like the absolute most. This book is 100% stuffed chock full of sexist man overriding woman telling her what to do and repeatedly being right um, and or getting his way nonsense. All like thoroughly rationalized by the authorial intent of vampires just have this really intense instinct and they they have to act this way and if they or or else so you really you can't you know defy them in this way they'll just go mad um and and so like constantly he's telling her not to do this or to do this or um you know, well, if you're going to be here with me, I have, you know, I'm, I'm in charge. It's just the way that I work. Um, and it's this, like, I mean, if you, if you abstract the lesson that it's telling us back out into the real world, it's this like men can't help themselves bullshit. Um, and even if you don't want to take that step, it's just a really poor excuse to have, um, to have, you know, like the guy boss around the woman over and over and over and over and over and over again. If I were her, I would get sick of that shit real fast. Yeah, but she didn't because she was in love or something. <sighs> I got sick of it real fast. Um, I would absolutely hate everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I endorse you hating everything um, in this circumstance. Um it's also oh my, like, yeah, go did ahead. He, sorry. Did he like order food for her at a restaurant too? Oh man. I, I'm trying. Let me, let me think about that for a second. They definitely went out. Um, oh, maybe. Okay. Cause I, I, I don't, don't understand. Ordered, I don't remember if he ordered for her there or if he, uh, or if she ordered something basic and then the restaurant added a whole bunch of other stuff. The only time I understand ordering for other people is like pizza orders. Yeah. Or if you're like calling in an order. But like, I just don't yeah, understand. Like, is that supposed to be like a power play? Like, oh, bitch, you're going to eat what I get you. <sighs> the romantic side of it is like, I know you so well. I know what you want. Right. I mean, that's that's the romance romantic side of it. But it's like, yeah, yeah it's absolutely denial like, of agency. What, what if I want to get something different for once? It's too bad. I know you so well. Piss off, wanker. I'm doing what I want. I can't Damn piss it. off, wanker. I know you too well. Uh, I'm breaking anyway. up with you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> that's OK, as long as Doug doesn't break up with me. Oh my god. We have like this weird love triangle going on. I'm not sure how to handle it. You're not involved, Katie, though. <laughs> like, it's not really a triangle. Outside. It's just a straight line with Doug in the middle. <laughs> well, it's definitely not straight. <laughs> it's an L shape. 
Oh, that's delicious. Um, <laughs> all right. So like on top of that, there's um, like, it's super depowering to the protagonist. Like they, they, try to empower her by giving her all this magic power um and then they slip in oh gosh this whole chunk of uh racial essentialism by like analyzing her dna and saying she has all the markers for all the different witch powers which is unheard of um but uh also oh my phone is making noise that's wrong (laughs) but um also uh she she can't use her magic because she's never trained uh and 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 when she tried learning spells as a youngster like she screwed them up all the time and we learn over the course of the book that it's because her parents quote unquote spellbound her they they did something to like bind up her magic so that it uh it it's kind of vague like it only answers her wants not like her demands so like if she really wants a thing it'll work but or if it's it's this really again it's a kind of like bullshit on unconscious like oh it's you know it's what you truly want not what you think you want um but what it really means narratively is that her magic only ever shows up as a deus ex machina um, because she's not really controlling it. It's just a deus ex machina, including one literal deus ex machina. Um, my favorite trope. Yeah, no, it's just, oh my God, over and over and over again. Um, you know, she, she, she can't do the thing. She can't do the useful thing. She, she has to, she's just like the, the object, right? She's the thing that Matthew the vampire is now deeply in love with and that she's, you know, she's now in love, but they can't be that in love. There's also some kind of giant, like, uh, compact between the three supernatural races, which are at least reliably, reliably called creatures instead of like to distinguish them from humans. But it's, I think it's a really bad word choice in that case, but at least they're reliable about it. If nothing else, this book had a really competent editor. Um, That's good. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's very competently written or at least edited. So it's like, you know, it's all there. It's all together. It's, it's sure is a book. Um, but the arcs are all dumb. Um, Yeah. And then there are some really weird aspects, like they go to Matthew's uh, estate in France, and what's that? As you do. As you do. Yeah, I'm constantly going to Matthew's estate in France. I think that's a euphemism for something now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and and his, his vampire mother lives there, i.e. the woman who... Vamped him, I guess. Sire, I guess. Yeah, well, they, they, he calls her mother. Vamp um, mama. Yeah, his vamp mama. Um, but, but, and so is, like, and she lives there alone with one servant. The servant is also a vampire. Like, all the vampires that we've seen up to this point are, and I think all the ones we see through the rest of the book are, like, young or, like, you know, moderately young and, and, 
attractive, except for this one who is like older and, you know, matronly and the servant for the household. So it's, it's like they never go into it at all, but it, it just means that at some point somebody said like, you're such a great servant. Let me give you eternal life where you will keep serving me eternally. And sounds awful. No, yeah, no, I, I like, feel like there's another word for that. i couldn't think what that word might be um but uh but like there's no like everyone else who gets turned into a vampire like lives like nobility um right like matthew has castles out the wazoo and his mother like lives in one of them and maybe i don't know and he has vampire delineage delineated siblings who i think all live well but then i don't it's never clear who vamped this servant woman but she's like i live here in the castle too well listen when you when you find someone who can make flan like that you got to keep them around you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah i i guess it's like they never bring that up at all because i get the feeling peter Yes, Dan. You didn't like this book. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? Five out of five. No. (laughs) Shocker. Uh, Surprise reveal at the end. Yeah. Uh, That's the real horror. The real horror is recommending this book. Um, (laughs) Oh, that was my, that was like the book I talked about for dragons that just came out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, All right. Anytime now, I'm going to stop monopolizing this conversation. Let me let me just see if there's anything else. Uh, yeah, sure. She can't use her magic, so it's not really an empowering device. Super sexist, and it's all excused by. What does Matthew do for a living? How does he get all of his money? Uh, I think he's like had it for the last thousand years. Oh, and he's friends with a daemon whose uh, particular supernatural insight is into the financial markets. So oh, convenient. Oh, yeah. Is Super- it Matt Damon or Johnny Damon? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Damon. <laughs> who, who is Johnny Damon? Is that Wasn't he a baseball player? I you're you're barking up the wrong tree. I'm not going to know. I mean, I've heard of the other one. How dare you bring sports into this? <laughs> I had a discussion with one of my friends. Though, like, where will we hide as a vampire? We're just like, we just be in college because no one gives a fuck about who you are. Like, I don't remember you. Right. Oh, oh my god, god, that sounds like a horrible existence. <laughs> I mean, I like learning. <laughs> Matthew the vampire. Uh, lives oh right vampires don't don't die in sunlight they just don't that's not like that's it's not a thing and no not, weaknesses for him uh yeah really no weaknesses hmm. except I, I mean you could consider their really strong instincts a weakness i guess but really do they, they have- just make me angry so maybe that's my weakness um do they have to drink blood to survive yes but it doesn't okay. have to be human blood uh, ah that loophole yeah. Anyway, um, no, Matthew, it's not I don't I wouldn't say he's making his living that way, but he's like because he his living is clearly way too expensive for this. Uh, but he's like a, a fellow at Oxford and has been doing all this. Research. He does neurological research and. He has did he, apparently he did a bunch of research on wolves. 
or something, which is part of the like whole like ah, I understand instincts better than other vampires. I guess I don't know. It's it's supposed to make some kind of like vampire to to wolf pack analogy, um, which is also stupid. Um, the 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 least stupid parts of this book are um, the copy editor. <laughs> they did fine. That was fine, I guess. Um, no, uh, Diana's aunt, um, uh, who is mostly okay, and and her partner uh, Emily. So, like, having a gay couple prominent in the book is nice. Um, and then when the the book goes back to um, Massachusetts, oh, because of course, like all the witches we see in this book are tied to like prominent witch families that that many of whom had um you know records in salem because of course why not steal from that uh, like for the hundredth time um but when they go back there um the house the house they they live in the old the family house is like one of the only interesting things because it has ghosts in it who are all kind of like quietly expressing their opinion about things and the door like opens doors and closes and like reshapes it. Like it, like at some point they say, Oh, we're probably going to have guests soon because the, the house gave us a new guest room. <laughs> like, oh, where is it? Oh, it's, it's squeezed between the, the pantry and the, and the second bathroom. Oh, okay. Well, and they look in there and they're like, Oh, wow. I haven't seen any of this furniture before. I wonder where the house got it. Um, I would and, like an ever-changing house. Right? I would do that. That is like the I want to say the most, but possibly the only interesting part of the story. Um, <laughs> and so, like, let's just like if we could rip up this book and mutate it, I would keep those pages and then like grow something new from that substrate. Um, it would give me endless libraries. <gasps> oh man. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, this is book is the first part of a trilogy at the end of the book. They've learned that Diana can go back can can time travel with her witch powers. And so they, she and, uh, Matthew travel back in time, uh, to some like the 1500s or something like that. They go, they go back to Shakespearean England. um, where I presume the next book takes place, but I will never know for sure. (laughs) Because this book is awful. Don't read it. Oh man, you just caused those sales to drop. If you're a good person, it will make you mad. If it didn't make you mad, take a hard look at your life. Thanks for listening to the rant podcast. (laughs) Oh my God. That was a tirade. I hope that's okay. I don't mind it at all. Like I I already have fears about like talking too much on this podcast. So like this is now you're engulfed in a controversy about this, like super acclaimed book or whatever. No, it's, Uh, it's, yeah, it's not that you're talking too much. I've just never heard you so angry. That's that's yeah. fair. I've I never like read it. such a bad book before. Um, <laughs> don't read whatever Dan read that one time. That oh was... right, well, what it was, it was just called "The Discovery of Witches" by Deborah Harkness. Don't read it. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, whatever that Irish book was. <laughs> the Dan Irish. Oh, yeah, the Druid book. Yeah. Oh, oh the yeah. Iron Druid. Founded, I think. <laughs> called. I've already <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> Yeah, He's so. repressed those memories already. That, that, one also <laughs> sounded, that one also sounded kind of super sexist. It was 100% that, yeah. Well, then in that case, I'd like to go next because my book like completely disregarded all women, I believe. Oh, man, well, that makes sense. When was it written? Uh, 1890. Yeah, were there even women in 1890? I don't think well, they were know, invented until like the 19... 19- wasn't was an author also like, <laughs> right also, with flappers. also right. wasn't the like the author also a gay man yes wait, yes really? he was yeah oh well i get why he disregarded women then and he like oh, wait, was, that, was, was chased wild? out of england because of it oscar wild? wild yeah okay. i didn't realize that that i didn't connect those two things in my head yeah cool, so yeah. i read the picture of dorian gray the only novel by Oscar Wilde. Otherwise, he just did like poetry and plays. This book was awful. <laughs> it was all very stuffy. Like people, I've seen people like, oh, yes, he was very good at describing how society was at the time. I was like, society looks fucking boring then. <laughs> you should stop reading like manner stuff. <sighs> I should, but this was on my shelf for fucking years. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to read it because he's like a quote unquote monster in a lot of like pop culture things. Like he was in um, Dorian Gray. Well, there was a movie that came out in 2009, but I haven't seen it. Um, He was in like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up in the new Sabrina TV show. That's right. He's the bartender. Yes. And you know what? I guess that is a pretty accurate. No, it's slightly (laughs) accurate according to the book. Does he make a deal with the devil? He 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 engages in many vices. Um, So it starts. We meet the painting before we meet Dorian Gray. So it starts off, it starts off in Basil Hallward's, um, his painting room, I guess, because he is the painter and he is talking to Lord Henry Wotton, his friend. And then they're just talking about like, oh, this painting is gorgeous. It's truly a masterpiece. But then um, Hallward is just like. Yeah, I don't want you to meet the guy that's been sitting for it because you'll spoil him because you have all these outrageous theories and uh, if and then, of course, immediately the servant then comes in is like, oh, sir, Dorian Gray is here. So like immediately disregards like the whole conversation they had about him not meeting Dorian. And so then he goes and they talk while Dorian stands for his picture to be painted. And then uh, Lord Henry is like just telling him all of these things that are like opening up his broad youthful mind and making him see the world and 
that he's now super vain because Henry said, oh, you're beautiful. And then he makes the wish to be like, oh, if only the painting would grow old and I will stay young as the painting will. How terrible. I shall always be jealous because it will always be one month younger than myself. And it's, He's just a vain little peacock. <laughs> and I could not stand him. And when he... Okay, so he just makes the wish, and apparently it becomes real. And that's oh, it. it. That's it. <laughs> it doesn't go into how exactly it happened. It just happened. Sure. But and, does it like, provoke interesting... I mean, I assume the answer is no based on your interest. <laughs> Does it provoke interesting consequences? Kind of, because he goes out and he, like, during the book, he makes all these friends. Well, it alludes to him making friends and then, like, (laughs) besmirching their names somehow. And that everybody in good society tries to avoid him because anyone who becomes friends with him, you know, becomes a scoundrel. Mm. But they can't possibly believe things of Dorian when they see him in person, because even at the age of 38 or 39, he is the youthful glow of a boy no more than 18 summers. And is uh... So, apparently, yes, what? what? So it sounds like he's purposely an unlikable character. I think so. And it was like, yeah. apparently beautiful people can't be bad people. According uh, to this, uh, it was well, awful. I mean, it doesn't sound like. Now you read it, so don't let me tell you you're wrong. But it sounds like that's not the like authorial message, but that's the um, like it's a statement from the book that that's how other so, people tend to like perceive. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's obvious that the book is saying, and that's wrong. It's not obvious that it's saying that until the oh. very end. Hmm. When, because, you know, he, he's doing all these things. He's staying beautiful, but his portrait is forever getting uglier and older. And then one day, um, spoilers, he kills himself by oh. stabbing the picture. And that's how he dies. Does and he- then, what? Sorry. I was gonna say, like, does he stab it because he can't stand to see a version of himself that's ugly? Well, no. At first, he loves looking at it, and he's one of the things that he decides is, "I'm going to do all the things that I want and revel in the fact that I won't see any of it on myself, but right, my the picture will be ugly and horrible." And he he actually took great joy from that for a <laughs> while, and then on again, off again, he like hates it and himself and he goes through such tragedies like the girl that he loves oh she's a beautiful actress and she is a genius and he's going to marry her and then he she like acts badly one night because she was like uh she was playing Juliet and was like well what does Juliet know of love when I know loving you and then he like freaks out at her is like you I hate you how dare you make me suffer through a bad play and then he leaves and then she kills herself and the next day he's just like oh 
How sad. I loved her once. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And that happens again. Well, something similar to that happens later. I don't know. It was just, I just don't understand. It's like, uh, you know? No. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a very, very old book. Uh, how At least book? 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? 18 something it was written, right? 1890. Yeah. So at least 30 years old. So yeah. was the language like a hurdle for you? Uh, sometimes because, you know, it takes place in London society and there's some passages where they like talk about French things and then it reads in French like a a stanza or something from a poem. But I I have like the Barnes and Noble classics version of it. So there's like footnotes and stuff explaining some of the things. Hmm. So that was nice. That's good. Hmm. So did what's like the authorial message behind the book? Uh, maybe it is that like beautiful people can be hiding ugly sins, but you can't always see it because they have magic pictures. Mm, deep. <laughs> I always I thought it was about know. like I, I didn't read it, but I thought I thought it was about like vanity. That would have been sense. my guess as well that it was a stab against vanity. Yeah. I haven't read it, but I um, I did watch Penny Dreadful. I watched the first episode with my mom, and she's like, "Oh, that guy there, he's from Minnesota." And then we like see his butt in the next scene. And I'm like, Mom, I oh, can't yeah, watch this do. with you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I started watching, what is that? Like the Succubus show that I lost girls. There you go. With my dad. And there was like. I'd rather watch something called the Succubus show. <laughs> there was like a. Well, like an intense like makeout scene. I'm like, I'm not watching this with you. <laughs> I, to my dad. Yeah. I. Mm. <laughs> How do you watch any adult television on any channel that's not like PBS without? without I was like, I was like, um, <laughs> like a freshman in high school. <laughs> oh my! So there I was watching Eyes Wide Shut with my parents. <laughs> I know some, 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 uh, some people watch Game of Thrones with their parents. I would not. <laughs> I wouldn't God, watch the season. This would be impossible. I, yeah, I'm not advocating. For people to watch sex scenes with their parents, let me be clear about that. I mean, like me, like we watched Borat with our grandparents in theaters. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. What sort of situation were your grandparents in where they were like, "Okay, I'll go we see Borat to, with you." We wanted to see Borat, and they took us because it was rated R, and we were young. Oh, oh no, they took you to it. <laughs> And they were just like, what are we watching? <laughs> You're so mean to your grandparents. It was one of those situations where they were laughing, but they were hiding that they were laughing. Oh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. nice. Uh. Yeah, I don't watch like sex scenes on TV. No, <laughs> no. And most of the time it was like badly made. And it was like, this doesn't advance the plot. I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, I generally I don't like them when they're not necessary, and I would say they're often not necessary. 
<laughs> yeah, that's why I don't like most of like the new Netflix shows because they're just like, oh, unnecessary and blatant nudity everywhere. Well, um, porn. <laughs> well, that's that's a whole no, no. Ball I mean, game. In porn. It's obviously necessary. It's the whole point of porn. <laughs> that's the plot. I watch oh. it for the plot, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess it's also kind of stupid that porn has plot. So, <laughs> um, there's an interesting conversation that I saw on Reddit. It was like with violence, why people are like more tolerant of violence, like gratuitous violence. Like uh, the argument was like it violence tends to in um move the plot forward, but sometimes like I get bothered like children in brass bulls which is a horrible torture device but it moved the plot forward yeah but it was still bothering me awful yeah yeah and i didn't want to hear the description about his charred body no yeah you know what the rachel's reaction to this theme makes me want to do nick (laughs) what i want to show her that what's that sam neill movie you guys watched recently on uh <laughs> Why is this a thing? Um, oh, this is uh, uh, oh, in the mouth of madness. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe That's just fun. show her that weird scene with the lady, and her bones start sounding like celery sticks. Ew! <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. I can't watch Saw or Final Destination. <laughs> so no. I'm gonna start a new podcast where I just expose Rachel to horrible visuals. From You're paying for my medic. Uh, what is, what is your therapy? Yeah, I was gonna say anxiety medication. Mm, I'm gonna start a new podcast where I stop you, Dan. <laughs> Ooh, rival podcasts. I yeah, like I'm not it. sure how this works, actually. Well, the problem is, Rachel, that I have a lot of disposable income, so it might be worth it for me to pay for your anxiety medication. I was going to say, Rachel, would you actually take that deal where you never had to pay for your anxiety medication again, but every week you were subjected to anxiety? Well, I've never paid for anxiety medication. I'm pretty sure my insurance would cover it, so no. <laughs> Okay. What, if so what hourly fee though? would it take for, um, for you to join the podcast? Well, fun fact: the government pays my for my insurance, so no. Okay, so so back to Dan's question: How much does he have to pay you to get you to watch this stuff? Hundred bucks a podcast. <laughs> that's pretty cheap. Oof, yeah. Well, that's not cheap to me. New sponsor. You cover that? I don't know. You pay for that one tattoo idea I have. <laughs> from maybe, a decent I get, maybe we could get sponsored by anxiety medication. This is a great, this is the synergy. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Oh my gosh. I need, I'd probably need anxiety medication. <laughs> Dan's new podcast Unfortunately, sponsored by Zoloft. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can only use Zoloft at that point. You'd be contractually obligated to be <laughs> right. yeah. medication. Oh, no, but what if it doesn't work for her properly? Yeah, that's the problem with medication, especially like hormone medication. Not hormone, but you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, it's yeah it doesn't work sometimes. <laughs> so that's well, don't talk about that. They're sponsoring the show, Rachel. Be <laughs> positive about it. They work all the time, especially Zoloft, registered trademark. We could be sponsored by therapy. <laughs> it works so. It works so great. Here's how I slept last night. Cut. Ah! <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> this is terrible. This is almost as bad as the book I read. <laughs> I did not. I did not get the notice. The book I read. I didn't get the notice that we were all supposed to hate our books. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't okay, Nick. What what book did you read that you didn't hate? <laughs> Uh, okay, well, um, are we all set on the, the last one then? 
Oh, sorry. The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. The end. A a classic that apparently belongs in the trash. (laughs) Yes. Um, So I uh, I read Weave World. uh, By uh, what's his name? Clive Barker. And um, this was apparently a very famous, very successful book. I mean, it literally it won in 1988. It was nominated and didn't win the for the World Fantasy Award for best novel. Is that the Hugo's? I I guess. Those are the Hugo's. Okay. So, um, I mean. I, I did enjoy it. I will say that right off the bat, but I, I guess I, I kind of have a few bones to pick with it a little bit. Um, it was just a lot. The book is literally split into, I think, four books. Like they have book one and then they start with their chapters and then book two. Is it, an, it, is it an omnibus? Like, was it originally published that way and then put together? Yeah. I don't believe so. Okay. I, um, am, I am incorrect. The World Fantasy Award is not the Hugos. Oh, okay. Just because I thought it was because the Hugos were given out at the World Fantasy Convention. All I can think about right now is Hugo weaving. The Hugo <laughs> weave, weaving world. <laughs> so, but um, I mean, yeah. When I when I when I Google searched like horror fantasy, this was the book that came up over and over again, and. Of the four books, which I'll be honest, they felt like 12. It, it, this book felt like it started and ended and then started again and ended again. And I, I kind of think that was intentional, which I'll get to. But um, really, only the first bit felt like horror to me. And then it, I guess, at the beginning, when you don't have all of the information on what's actually going on, everything is terrifying. And frankly, the the stuff he encounters at the beginning, like um, he gets raped by a ghost. What? Uh, yeah, the main character gets like raped by a ghost and then she births a baby that shares his features, which proceeds to try to rip his flesh off. Like that shit's pretty scary. Yeah, I would I, think I, I would be scared. Of that <laughs> happening now. I am. That happening. I mean, Maybe we should remind people who Clive Barker is. Like, this is the Hellraiser guy. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he's 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 written some stuff. <laughs> right. But honestly, after the first uh, maybe quarter of the book, it, it really just turns into fantasy with some like extreme elements for sure. But I mean, it doesn't get much scarier than that. And that's fairly early on. Um. And I guess it also comes in, in tandem with how much we know about what's actually happening. The more we know, the less scary it is for obvious reasons. Um, our main character um, accidentally comes across a carpet that in the intricate weaves of the carpet, he, he sees a whole new world within it. And he becomes obsessed with this and he he tries to track down the carpet and comes across some other individuals who also are trying to track down the carpet. And he decides that for whatever reason, he can't trust them and he refuses to tell them where it is. And this sets off an entire journey um, 
of of back and forth like battles and and I mean it's such a I can't I, I cannot possibly go through everything that happens in this book. It is literally not possible. This was a twenty four hour audiobook. <laughs> oh, that's baby numbers. I'm listening to a forty four hour audiobook right now. Oh my god. I, it's five Barker, so I can't imagine it's so much happens. Like I had to say for 24 hours. Just like, give me some reference here. Like how many hours is like the Game of Thrones? Uh, I can check that out real quick. I feel like a lot of those would be around like 18 to 20 hours. I listened to them at work when I worked. Game of Thrones has got to be at least 50 hours. You think so? Total. Yeah. Well, oh, are you thinking... Oh, no, no. The first book. The first book is just is thirty three hours and is it really 30, that long? Thirty three hours and forty six minutes. Oh, okay. okay so well, this this felt minutes. incredibly long. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Oathbringer is fifty fifty uh, fifty five hours. Holy shit! I did not realize they were that long. And that doesn't help me. I haven't read it, but okay. But that gives me a sense of scales. This is about two thirds the length of the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, a thousand pages. Oathbringer is about a thousand pages, and I mean, the book the book I'm reading is a thousand two hundred pages. I mean, okay, so let me see if I can try and get through the bits here. But like, so the 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 main villain of this entire series is um, a salesman, like a middle aged salesman. A uh, monster. Yeah, he is partnered with a evil magical witch from the race of the seer kind. Uh, who has two um, ghostly sisters that she murdered in the womb. One of them is the ghost who raped the main character, Cal. And the other one is the um, sort of mother who raises all of those babies that that one makes. Um, But again, the salesman's the bad guy, not her. I don't want them. Which is really weird. There's also a um, racist cop. And also not the bad guy. He, I mean, he is, but really, it's the salesman's the big bad. It's so weird. This <laughs> What's going on there, Katie? <laughs> uh, Griffin brought me a thing of gum. Yeah, ooh, gum. And he's, it's Arctic grape flavored, and he's trying to find out whose gum it is, and pointing at the purple and saying, "Is this a color?" Yes, darling, it is a color. It's purple. Are there Arctic grapes? I no. don't know. It's it's an icebreakers flavor. Oh, so everything's minty. Yeah. Okay, honey, can you take these? Can you go put them somewhere not in here? Get that off your head. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, sorry. I just All like right. the response of get that off your head. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing you have to say a lot with kids. Or well, don't touch that. Get your fingers out of that. Why is that in your mouth? My hat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear him just now? No, hat. Say the hat. He, like my hat? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your cute Griffin. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, I'm putting it up in the generals. Oh, your kid's going to be about as foul mouthed as ours. Oh, he already says damn it in the car. It's so cute because I always say it at the end of a sentence like, what are you doing over there? Damn it. And he's so cute. I love him. All right. Griffin, you need to get out now, honey. I'm doing a thing. Okay. Sorry. No, no worries. 
<laughs> okay, so I'm going to try to explain the plot here. Um, so um, Cal meets a girl named Susanna, whose grandmother was a human um, who basically was charged with protecting this carpet that he came across. The carpet contains not only the world of, but all of the people of the race of the seer kinds um, who trap themselves in a carpet in order to protect themselves from a great evil known as the scourge. Uh, I thought it would have been the vacuum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the salesman and the evil witch both want the carpet for separate reasons. She wants to destroy it and he wants to sell it. And so they decide to work together. Um, She, uh, the evil witch has. He's a salesman and his evil plan is to sell a carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she, she gifts him a magic jacket that when he opens the jacket lining and people stare into it, um, they see whatever they want of their wildest dreams and like they can have it for a short period of time, like an illusion. And so he uses that to like sell, sell to people and trick people. So wait, he flashes them and they buy his stuff. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, they, (laughs) so this all culminates with them learning more about the carpet and um, then the the bad guys getting most of the carpet uh, it does tear and then they are selling it to the world's richest people basically at an auction where Cal and Susanna um, basically interrupt the sale and open the carpet and they um, unleash the entire world known as the fugue. And then we spend some chapters in the fugue, seeing this magical world of, of the people that are the seer kind, which throughout history have been known as fairies or demons or all sorts of creatures in our, our history, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fugue is rewoven and closed again, and Cal gets left behind, and then they spend several chapters focused on him forgetting everything slowly and just returning to a normal life. Meanwhile, Susanna is running off with the new carpet. <laughs> And then they get back together and it keeps going again. And the bad guy comes back with a different plan. Now he wants to rule the carpet, right? And then they open it again. And then they're forced to close it again, but in a, not, in a different form. And then the bad guy comes back with a new plan to destroy the carpet. <laughs> but it's not a carpet anymore. Um, and it's, it's just like the book just keeps like stopping and going and stopping and going in a very kind of jarring way. Interesting. It's not bad. It's very um, it's 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 a very good read, but it it, it was kind of difficult in that sense. It just but the book opens with like a line essentially saying like a story never begins and a story never ends. And so I kind of think that was the point. And the book ends with saying a story never ends as well. So the idea is that it's like kind of supposed to be. The story is ongoing, permanent. It's the story. story. I was just going to do that, too. Oh, we can sing it together. Oh, just like Susie and Dustin. Oh, Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) Did Did you notice? Did you notice that Susie killed two people with her insistence that they spend like 90 seconds singing that song? Yeah. Yep. She's basically a murderer. Yeah. But she's yeah. a cute murderer, so it's okay. 
Yeah, that does not that does not make it okay. Uh, According to the picture of Dorian Gray, it does. Fair enough. I can't argue with Oscar Wilde. I retract my statement. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she's not a murderer, just a manslaughterer. (laughs) Is a a very important distinction. At at, at best, a a malignant delayer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess it is kind of like the never-ending story in that sense. It's kind of. It's interesting. Um, there is a lot of meta-ness here with like stories within stories, worlds within worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an opening by the author where he discusses the, this idea of memories and how uh, memories are very relevant to the plot of this. I mean, there's constantly points where people are remembering and forgetting and misremembering. And that is, I mean, he talks about like there's an orchard in the book and he says this is relevant to when I was a child, I remember there being an orchard in my, my parents' backyard, and I remember it being huge, but for all I know, it was tiny. There are no photos of it left, so I, I don't even know what it really looks like, and are my memories accurate or not? Does it matter, you know? Yeah, so, and that, that can be really interesting. Yeah, there are a lot of really interesting themes going on here that are um, told very well, and the, the execution is very good. And there's also this... One other concept that I believe we want to talk about, which is um, if you, if you do listen to an audible, it's that that intro by the author. I don't know if it's in the print copies, but it was uh, excellent. Um, he also talks about how over the years, his own feelings about this book have changed and he doesn't necessarily even remember his writing of it in in totality because just so many years have gone by and there's bits and pieces that have probably changed. And he seems to. He says that sometimes he actually hates that this book was so successful because he's written other books that he's more proud of. But he feels like somehow this one is the one that caught on. Um, and then he talks about coming to grips with that and being like, you know, but he's accepted it now kind of thing and all the people that it's helped. It's so. It's a very, very good book. It's a very complex uh, weaving of ideas. Excuse my pun. Uh- Hugo Weaver? <laughs> Mr. Anderson. <laughs> oh, that's who Hugo Weaving is. Yeah. <laughs> He's also the most uh, form of Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, she is Elrond. Oh, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't seen either of those two movies, so... Rachel. <laughs> I'll give you a hundred dollars, a hundred American dollars. He's also the in V for Vendetta. I've yeah. seen V for Vendetta. But you but never, they never see his, show face. his face. And yeah. he's also the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's a shit role, so. Wow. Hot take. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually have a podcast that makes me watch things that I haven't watched that apparently I should have watched. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, guess, guess what here. movies just got added to the schedule? <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Do you want me to not like any movie we ever watch ever? And be you already kind of- don't. <laughs> They're boring. <laughs> uh, last note, though. No, I, I, I would recommend listening to this if um, it, I think it's a very, very, very good book. Um, I will warn, obviously, that there is a detailed description of genitalia and things, and I think it's a little uh, annoying, but it does add to the horror elements when it is used typically, so. Well, I've added it to my uh, book list. There is also some racism, but it's 
it's the bad guy being racist. So, it, so it's you're okay meant, it's the bad guy. Well, you're meant to hate him, so I think it <laughs> makes sense. Uh, I, I, I think I I suspect it's definitely that, dated. Yeah, but I know I, I suspect that um, attitude that you're describing from from Barker's intro uh, happens to a lot of successful writers mm-hmm. where they you know they keep working and of course they evolve um and and their work evolves in with them and the market probably evolves in a different direction um and it you know ends up leaving them you know they 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 crossed they were kind of like uh, ships in the night where they had you know one very successful moment together and then they kind of go off in other directions and the author is left feeling like man i I really wish everyone would read this thing that I wrote five years later. Mm. You say it's dated. What year did it get published? Well, 1987. But it's, uh, I mean, a lot's changed since 1987. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I moved in that year. Right. (laughs) I was was born after that year. Sometimes. I would also say it's British, so the use of the C word is a little. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's a little less bad than it would be here. I think they use yeah. that word a little more often. So and yeah, I mean it's it's very good. Highly recommend it. Oh, one last thing, and then I'm I'm actually done. Um, every like detail in this book is like used is brought back later. Mm. You know what I mean? Every yeah. when they introduce a character. And then that character seems to disappear like they come back later and there's a purpose behind it. And like, I really liked that. It's it yeah. seemed really well thought through for as much as was going on. Like no detail was lost. So Nothing that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Weave World by Clive Barker. Highly recommend it. Uh, not child friendly. All right. So now. So wait, I, am, I still have what? one question about Weave World. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Do they call it a carpet in the book, or is that just what you were calling it? No, no, it's a carpet. What does that What does that mean? How can a How can you take a carpet around with you? Oh, you like a flying that. carpet? No, like a rug. Yeah, like a like, oh, like a, a yeah. Okay, so it's a rug. Well, how big? What are the dimensions? What it? I'm gonna be honest. It's he, like he a living carpet, and I thought he was walking around with like a a carpet square, like a shag carpet square. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not like a carpet attached to the floor, but like a um. A rug, like, like but like a full, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a, a, a really big, like yeah. a big thing. Yeah, yeah, and I believe they use the word carpet. Yeah, they use the word carpet though. I think that's a British thing. Okay. Yeah, it might be a British thing. Oh, you might be a British thing. I'm not British. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I just shot down really quick. <laughs> <laughs> but I accept it. I, I I clearly was incorrect. Um, <laughs> What was I going to? Oh, so I am eager to find out if we end this podcast with four thumbs downs <laughs> or or three and two, a much more balanced. I will say that sounds like I, a Supreme Court ruling. I will say <laughs> my book had a positive, a net positive rating. I was just terrified. OK, fair enough. Fair so it enough. did the job of being horror. Well, yeah, it's just I it, empathy. Me being a human with empathy doesn't re- like seeing children being on. Right, right. So it, it was well done, but not for you. Yes. Right. So three out of five, but you're not, but not your three. Yeah. Three and stars. Peter's was, 
And it Peter's has- was well done, but not for anyone. No, no, no. <laughs> I was competently executed, like technically, and that's the best you can say for it. Mine is 17 <laughs> thumbs down. That's why it has one star. It would have zero stars if it wasn't competently written. <laughs> Where did you get anyway, that? Anyway, so Dan. What, what are you doing? Things are happening at Katie's house again. Oh, yeah, let's listen in. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, man. Did what you take a chair? <gasps> no, this little shit took the chair, pulled it across <laughs> the kitchen, and got into the candy cupboard. Oh, no. That sounds industrious. <sighs> yeah, it does. He's a candy Batman. But also forbidden. It is forbidden. Yeah. yeah I'll do it again. Um, Griffin, enough with the candy. <laughs> No more candy. And take the puppies and get out, please. That one's too loud. Out. Oh, for fuck's sakes. (laughs) Don't have kids, everybody. Sold. (laughs) It's too late for people. Some people. Dan has no kids, only beards. And cats. Well, cats are the best. They don't count. Oh, Hermione's been sick this week. Oh, very depressing. Oh, sneezing all over the place. Oh, I mean, at least kitty sneezes are cute. Yeah, me. They're real. They really are. She's. They started out cute, and then they got snotty. They got more snotty, and it's like, oh no. We had to use the word discharge when we were talking to the vet. Like, oh, do not like. Gross. Like All right. Was- well, to answer Peter's question, yes, uh, I have reviewed. A, oh my god, that is it's that. Mimi. Because a great picture. Doug is now officially a cat dad. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Please continue, Dan. All right. So to answer Peter's question, uh, I loved my book. I loved it to death. Uh, oh. I like horror. I like horror a lot. I love to be scared. Actually, I don't get too scared when I'm reading. It's not really. I don't know. I guess I'm not like I'm not like Rachel. Uh, I don't experience empathy for <laughs> people in books, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I uh, I love this book. So uh, I read um, I Am Not a Serial Killer by Dan Wells. Um, it's from a while ago. And um, I have uh, I had actually seen the movie. Uh, before I, I watched this one, this is a, a movie that came out. Um, I don't know. It wasn't very widely released, um, but it starred uh, Christopher Lloyd, the the Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. It was really good in it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was really good. So I decided to read the source material and the book is like a, a hundred times better than that movie. Really? So That's super cool. Uh, yeah, so the the story is uh, about a kid named uh, John Cleaver, who is not a serial killer, um, but he's concerned he might be <laughs> one of these days. He's a, he's like a kid who is kind of like obsessed with serial killers, and he learned enough about them to realize that he was kind of on the road to becoming a serial killer, um, and he. Um, the kind of opening chapters are a lot of him trying really hard not to be a serial killer. Um, 
and uh, the sort of difficulties that he creates for himself and his life as he is, um, you know, just like a kid in high school who's trying to get through high school with uh, his mom, who's like a single parent. And um, he lives in like the most boring town in the world. So I guess he's got a lot of free time to torture cats. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, cats. I mean, so, so he doesn't, he doesn't torture cats on, uh, oh no, I guess I can't say that. <laughs> he, he struggles not to torture cats a lot in this. I don't think he actually does it. I think there are like moments where he becomes obsessed with like some dead animals and stuff like that. Um, but that's him sort of trying to understand this possibly like nature that he has, which is like serial killer ish or like a proto serial killer kind of thing. Uh, while he's also trying to be a kid, but the primary plot of the book is picks up when, uh, an actual serial killer comes to town and people start getting killed uh, all over the town. And so, of course, John. Serially. Yes, serially. So in a linear order. Fashion. Uh, <laughs> so John, being obsessed with serial killers, decides like, well, he's going to find out who this person is. And then he sort of half wants to be the one to like bring this person to justice because he's killed some people if he didn't know he was at least familiar with in his in his town and uh on the other half wants to just sort of like take 10 minutes to have a conversation with them about hey what's it like oh my uh, god he wants to apprentice to a serial killer uh i mean he doesn't want to but he's like maybe i should just to like find out what you know that like his his at least job shadow. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's he's sort of like, I think, trying to figure out how to live with it. And so he wants to meet this person to be like, well, what did this guy do wrong that I can then correct and like not be a murderer? Because he really doesn't want to be a murderer, but he feels like his his body and his mind are betraying him because they he feels like he has he, there's sort of like a predestination to it. Um, and all of that is complicated because uh and this is so i was introduced to this book through the movie so i was aware of the i wouldn't even really call it a twist but this is a fantasy novel it is not um mundane as i have so far described it so essentially the the serial killer that comes to town is not human um uh and it turns out that he it's a demon uh like a not not necessarily like a you know a holy bible demon but kind of like a monster right sure like an actual like so you know a serial killer would be is one type of monster and so he sort of finds out that like well this is like there are other monsters in the world like chain like not not a werewolf kind of thing but like a, a a transforming creature of horror. Like, uh, and at that point the book kind of becomes true horror as he is obsessed with now the idea that, well, maybe, maybe I'm not what I think I am because maybe serial killers aren't real. And, and all these people were real monsters and I'm obviously human. And so I can't be what these things are. I'm not that. 
So it kind of throws John's perspective of like what he is, what he is afraid he'll become. And then, you know, later on, he does communicate, so to speak, with this creature. Um, and it, it becomes increasingly surprising about what this creature is capable of and what John is capable of and how sort of John's inhumanity is contrasted against the occasional humanity of this horrible monster that's out there killing people. So um, it's a, it's like a really interesting book. And I, uh, I really like Dan Wells stuff. This um, is, I think at this point, like a nine book series um, that, that continues on and it covers John Cleaver's life from high school to adulthood. Um, and eventually like, turns into like becomes world reaching in its sort of scope. But this first one is very contained um, in this sort of like small, I think it's in North Dakota, like, like um, so super small, isolated it's winter. Like it's really just like a, a small story of like this kid, his attempt to like figure out like what he is, himself while confronting this sort of supernatural entity that you know he at times envies at times is terrified of at times um is just fascinated by but um overall you know he he just has to come to understand it and himself and like are those kind of the same thing he doesn't know i don't know it's a great it's a great book i love it to death I uh, I encourage everyone to read it. Five five stars, y'all. That sounds fascinating, <laughs> and I've added it to my list. Yay! Is, is, is there is there a true crime element to this? Um, I'm, or well, like, I'm not sure. Or, what or, you like, mean. or like procedural? Like, does it feel like uh, Mindhunter at times? I don't know how to. You ever watch Mindhunter? Yes. Um. So John's family owns a mortuary. So there is a lot of like, how do you, how are dead bodies treated? And that's kind of like, you kind of assume like where John kind of starts on the road is that he was exposed as a kid to death and the disposal of bodies, like at a pretty young age. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And so that sort of fascination with that process kind of gets him started. So, so there is a lot of like, um, understanding the process of death in a lot of these um in terms of like solving the crime i mean he's a high school student so he's he's a terrible detective and he's <laughs> constantly getting himself into trouble and almost killed Thank in you. the process yeah. and um so i mean it's it's probably more like a um, <laughs> pretending to eat soap I don't know. It's more. It's probably closer to like a, a like a mystery with uh, an amateur detective kind of in the key role than it is like a procedural where the the main character is like a police officer and you're sort of understanding right. exactly. like how people solve things. Like that's what I think yeah. of when I think of procedurals. Yeah. Yeah, I just wasn't sure like how. I mean, when you talk about serial killers, I always think of like that kind of vibe and I wasn't sure if they kind of go that way or. I mean, Mindhunter, it might still be a good 
example because like in that show the guys don't know what they're doing right they sort of learn how to hunt serial killers through the process of the show right they yeah like they work to sort of figure it out and so there's a lot of that sort of trial and error action going on with john as he's trying to figure out who this demon is so what you're saying is the kid needs a hobby I think he has one. Uh, Yeah, he means a good hobby. Like, all his hobbies are very bad. (laughs) Like, maybe he should join a a sports team or something. Oh, yes, a sporting club. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in his life who would definitely say that that, you know, if he'd just get out of his room and, you know, play team sports, he'd be better off. But Um. So you, you said the you know this book that you read uh, helms a series, but is in su- itself very well self-contained. Like at the end, do you feel like moving on and reading the other books, or do you feel like you're satisfied and it's good, and you don't really want to burn that like burn that feeling on other books? I was pretty satisfied. I did read the next book, uh, the second one, um, and then I, I have not read any more, but. Uh, I have I have I know people who have read the whole series and they talk it up quite a bit. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, I think, but I think like you could read this and never read another one in this series and probably be okay. Mm. I would encourage you to read more Dan Wells. Dan Wells has a lot of good series, um, out there, especially like the Mirador series. Hear, if you're into the cyberpunk, I hear a lot of good things about people named Dan. <laughs> They write good books. Of, there's a lot of us. Um, and then second question is, how do you think you would have felt about the movie if you'd read the book first? I'm glad I didn't. Um, yeah. I, I think it's one of those movies where they it's a good. Um, what's the word? Adaptation. Did they take a lot of liberties? Mm, they they didn't, but so much of the book is being in John's head and the movie obviously can't mm-hmm. do that too much. You know, mostly like the movie accomplishes that by letting you experience everything that John does. Right. I mean, that's kind of how movies work obviously, but, but gives you his perspective in a really good way. But when you're in John's head, like that's where Wells's writing really shines is that he really captures the kind of contradictory nature of the kid and, I wouldn't normally have like accepted that a character would honestly believe that he was a serial killer and that without, you know, sort of like some mustache twirling villainy attached to that, you know, (laughs) and instead he he treats it, you know, like, Hey, I've got a mental illness. And so I'm going to take steps to try to counter that with, and, and try it while, while at the same time, sort of trying not to let anyone else know, you know, he's trying to essentially like, self-moderate his own mental illness without trying to to let it let other people in his life know how sort of far along in the process of possibly becoming a serial killer he is all right i'm in i'm not (laughs) (laughs) all right it sounds like we have two and a half thumbs up and two and a half thumbs down i'm giving Rachel the half. Yay. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, 
Rachel, I think you're in charge of this episode. Oh, I was. Oh, yeah. Um, that's been the <laughs> Fantasy uh, Book of the Month podcast where we, I think we have listeners. We have at least one listener. <laughs> um, and I've been Rachel. I was scared this month. And apparently Ben <laughs> wants to continue to terrify me, which I'm not approved of. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I'm in charge here. That's not true. Um, I also go by the name University Lady or University Baby, apparently now. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Argent Rabe. I've been joined by Dan. Hi, I'm Dan Evanson. You can find my stuff at DanielEvanson.com or at Sinister Infant on Twitter. Uh, Nick. Hi, I'm Nick. You can find me at Tacky Slacks on various websites. Uh the wonderful Katie. Oh, I'm wonderful. You can yeah. find me on Twitter at Shimmy Book, where I sometimes tweet if I remember I have it. You, you make you uh, elucidate very important questions like be about beans. Yeah. Do, oh, <laughs> hey, do you guys eat your beans cold or hot? It depends. Hot. On the bean. It depends on the bean for sure. Well, like like a baked bean. A baked bean. Hot. Yeah. Hot. Well, if it's baked, I mean. Well, no, like like Bush's baked beans. Uh, let me finish the ending of this podcast. And we'll talk about <laughs> okay. I believe Peter is last. Uh, I'm Peter Schaefer, and I uh, tweet as uh, at Shoeless Pete. And uh, you can probably find me somewhere. Do you have a game? I have a gaming website. Uh, yeah, you can uh, shoelessbeatgames.com or pashafer.com or that's all of them. Goodbye. Yep. Oh, buy Dan's horror book. <laughs> they woke up available on Amazon. You can get an auditioned. What is the word? Autographed. Autographed. You get a signed copy of Let's end this horror show. Kill it. Kill us, right. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, please keep reading. Yep. Bye. Bye. it until it drains into your mouth. Oh my god. What the fuck did I just hear? Oh my god.